if you look upon my advice to your business being a bit like heart surgery, and I know this suits me because I'm not young anymore, but by the same token, I think it's the truth. If I was going to give you heart surgery or you're going to get heart surgery, would you want it from someone, my village, who's done a thousand heart surgeries? Or would you like the 24-year-old uh, graduate out of medical school, uni, who says, look, I've never done one of those before, uh, but I'm going to give it a good try. Hi, this is Joe Polizzi with the Content Marketing Institute, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello there. I hope you're enjoying listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. This is the founder, Ash Roy, and the host of the Productive Insights Podcast. Now, as always, I have a value-packed episode for you. This one went for a long time, so I've broken it into two nice bite-sized pieces. The first half of this two-part series talks about how our guest managed to get Jerry Seinfeld back out of retirement, why it's important to have a constant stream of qualified leads, and his five-step approach to new direct response marketing. In part two, he expresses some strong opinions about social media, how to create a measurable social media campaign, and a whole lot more. You know, I wonder whether you're listening to this while driving in your car, or as you're falling asleep, or while you're at the gym. Flick me an email on ashaproductiveinsights.com and say hello and tell me where you're listening to these words right now. Today's episode is a very interesting one. I talked to a man who brought Jerry Seinfeld back out of retirement and he has some very interesting things to say. He's an extraordinary marketer, very unconventional, and I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this conversation. This episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value repeat customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to find out if a podcast is a good fit for your business and how we can get started. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out a few other episodes that would be very interesting to you. In episode 11, I talked to Dan Norris all about startups and how to get started with your own startup. We touch on lead generation quite a bit there. Episode number 22 called $50 million and counting with Ed O'Keefe is an excellent episode to listen to. Episode 18 with Buck Rizvi, where he talks about how to build an eight-figure business with powerful systems. Episode 28 on pool selling with Dan Dobos. Episode 67 with Matthew Kimberly on how to use public speaking to grow your leads. That was an excellent one. And episode 83 with Tim Page from Lead Pages on how to improve conversions through lead magnets and autoresponder sequences. There's a whole stack of other episodes I could mention, but I'll leave you to explore this overflowing catalog of value-packed information. And now, on with the show. Let's find out how our guest today convinced Jerry Seinfeld to come back out of retirement and help him to market one of Australia's businesses. Today's guest, John Dwyer, also known as JD by most of his clients, is a marketing enigma. He's unique in the field. When it comes to creating sales for businesses, his thinking is refreshingly unconventional. And thank goodness for that, because there are way too many so-called marketing experts out there who simply peddle the word marketing 101 and peddle out the same old marketing philosophies. John he preaches in a sea of sameness in your industry that you need to stand out like a beacon. 
And the best way to do this is by using wow factor marketing techniques. See, John thinks way outside the square and brings proven marketing ideas to the table for business owners, not the motherhood marketing waffle we all hear from many self-professed advertising experts. And let's not forget, he's the guy who got Jerry Seinfeld out of retirement to front an Aussie bank's advertising campaign. I'm delighted to welcome John Dwyer from the Institute of Wow.com. Welcome, John. Great to have you here. My pleasure, Ash. How are you? I'm great, man. John, can you tell us how you managed to get Jerry Seinfeld out of retirement and get him to head up an Aussie bank's advertising campaign? That must be one of the best sales antics I've ever heard of. (laughs) Yeah, look, I won't say that there wasn't a degree of luck in it, Ash. I mean, I'd like to show off and say, oh, I've got this special formula for getting through to the, you know, the the, the celebrity. I live on by the principle of persistence beats intelligence. Oh, yes. My wife would probably say in my instance that that's lucky, okay? (laughs) because I don't think she thinks I'm that intelligent. But, yeah, so essentially what happened, Ash, is that I had been looking after the marketing as a consultant to a a bank in Australia called the Greater Building Society, and I had been looking after their marketing for seven, eight, nine years, and we had scored a home run with a promotional offer that I devised for them called Get a Home Loan, Get a Free Holiday. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll probably be asking me some questions throughout this um, podcast related to how, you know, I can help people business owners, that matter, take their prospect eyes off the price because you don't want to sell on price because it's not sustainable. And this was a classic case of having a successful campaign where we did take their eyes off the price because this is the only bank in the world that for 10 years never advertised a home loan interest rate. All they did was to say, get a home loan and we'll give you a free holiday. And around about the seventh year of that campaign, which is a mighty long campaign for you know a promotional concept, we decided that we'd collected all the low-lying fruit and that what we needed to do is put a wow on top of that wow factor. Mm-hmm. And so the, the essence of our thinking was, why don't we look for a celebrity? And not just any celebrity, but one who particularly had a family appeal and had an appeal of over 40s. Because if you're a bank and you're selling home loans, you really want to sell home loans to people over 40 because that's going to be their second or their third home loan, which means they're going to borrow half a million or a million dollars instead of their first home loan, which they might be borrowing for a little master than home, 200000 So we were looking for a celebrity that would particularly be appealing to the over 40s, but of course still had a wide appeal. And Robin Williams was first cab off the rank. And so I flew to New York and um, we did the deal with Robin Williams, would you believe? Mm-hmm. Now, when I say first cab off the rank, it wasn't that I chose Robin Williams. I had nothing to do with it. We put out a survey amongst members and non-members of the bank and asked who they thought was a cheeky personality that might represent the cheekiness of this particular building society because the marketing I'd put together for them was very virgin-esque. It was very challenger brand and it yeah. was very cheeky stealing business from the banks, if you like. So we we're pretty cheeky. Yeah. And uh, Robin Williams came up number one and Seinfeld came up number two and then Jim Carrey and the rest of them. I, I wish Rove or Bert Newton had come up. It would have been a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have to fight in New York for it. Yeah. So anyway, we flew over and I got together with Robin Williams' people and we did the deal. And I remember ringing up the head of the building society from New York saying, build a statue. And he said, of who? I said, of me. I've just got Robin Williams. <laughs> and I think God was watching and decided that my head was too big because by the time my flight got back into Sydney, Robin Williams had left a text message to say, look, I'm really, really, really sorry, but I've just got a movie offer and I won't be able to do that after all. Oh, yeah. no, I shouldn't have shown off, you know. Yeah. 
And so, therefore, we then went to number two, which was uh, Seinfeld. I hope Jerry Seinfeld's not listening to this, Ash, because he realizes he's number two now. I'll tell um, him not to listen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you've got his personal email address, I know. So, anyway, that's what happened. And uh, it took a few months, quite frankly. It wasn't overnight. Jerry Seinfeld, as was the case with Robin Williams, very hard to get to. They're big stars. And uh, so, therefore, we went through all the right channels to try and get in contact with him. And when that wasn't happening, I decided to be once again, Cheeky, and I left a 2 a.m. in the morning voicemail message for George Shapiro, who happens to be Jerry's 70-something-year-old manager for the last, you know, long, long time. And I knew his office was in Beverly Hills, and I knew that he had a machine because I rang after hours, which said, press one for George. And so I'd sent an email over to George's office. I got his email address and told him what the campaign was going to be for the Greater Building Society. We just wanted Jerry Seinfeld to be cheeky and, you know, basically bag out the banks. And uh, I knew he probably wouldn't get around to reading that. He gets so many of them. But if I left a Steve Irwin, Paul Hogan accent message for him at 2 a.m. in the morning, he might. So that's yeah, because the, the Aussie accent is a bit in vogue at the moment in the U.S. Well, I thought it may have gone out now that Paul Hogan is not the you know, yeah. not, not the flavour of the month at the moment. But no, with Russell Crowe and, you know, with yeah. Hugh Jackman and, and everyone else, I mean, it still is. I think it always will be. And so, therefore, my message was, oh, g'day, George. Uh, it's uh, JD, John DeWire from Australia, mate. Look, I uh, just wanted to say g'day, cobber, digger, blue sport, mate. Uh, <laughs> I've just I've sent her an email overnight. We're just wondering whether or not Jerry might be interested in just being himself and, you know, taking the mickey out of the banks here in Australia. And, mate, look, if you can get back to me, that'd be bonza. That'd be really, really bonza. <laughs> well, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. Two days later, I happened to be visiting the Greater Building Society, whose head office was in Newcastle, and I would visit them as a consultant once every 10 days or so and the phone rings and because i'm normally the one that plays the practical jokes i thought it was seriously a practical joke by someone in the marketing department i had my own little office and i looked around because the girl said to me when i answered the phone uh john Dwyer. and i said yeah sure hey, john i've got george shapiro from hollywood on the phone and i thought oh yeah this is a g up you know <laughs> because i had told a few people in the office that i'd left this you know smart out of message yeah. and i thought this was a g up and they're all still working away at their computer and i'm looking outside you know how like you look outside yeah. your little glass box and think, well, yeah. who's doing that yeah. and then george shapiro gets on the line i still think it's someone in the office and i said <laughs> i said g'day mate he goes, Jerry John, it's George Shapiro here. Look, I got your voicemail and uh, I had no idea what you were saying. I couldn't understand a word. <laughs> but he said, you sound like an idiot. And I said, oh, thank you. And he said, uh, look, we enjoy working with idiots. And I said, good. And uh, the rest is history. I won't, I won't bore you with the rest of the details. But what happened, when I realized it was really the George Shapiro, he said to me, and I'm treating him not rudely, but I was treating him not like I should have been treated because I'm thinking yeah. someone outside, you know, just yeah, playing. Yeah. Right? And he said, uh, so, John, let me ask you a question. I said, what's that? He said, the Greater Building Society, exactly what does it build? And I thought, <laughs> oh, no, this is the real McCoy. <laughs> and I said to him, you're, you're the real George Shapiro. This is like after five minutes. He went, yeah, yeah. And I went, Oh, mate, let me tell you what I thought was happening. And I told him, well, he laughed and laughed. And, and you know that we we traded gotcha jokes of, of who does sillier things to their friends for about 20, 30 minutes before the name Seinfeld even came up. Wow. Okay. Well, talk about differentiation. I mean, starting with mate and bonza, I mean, he would probably not know what hit him, right, with, with oh, all that Aussie slang. No, no, he did not have a clue. I mean, um, <laughs> I said to him, he said, is Jerry big in Australia? I said, oh, mate, he's bigger than Budgie Boy, you know. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> and I, I've, got to, I've got to tell you the funny thing was, over the years that we went backwards and forwards to do the Seinfeld thing, um, Jerry would say to me, oh, J.D., look, give me some Australian names so that I can actually put them in the ad, right? Yeah. 
Uh, because the premise of the ad was that Jerry had come back from, you know, not being on TV for a long while, he'd come back and decided to do street comedy as a busker. And he's outside the Greater Building Society doing jokes with a little microphone, his little, you know, speakers that he brought along by himself. So he's doing it tough. He's not doing too well these days. <laughs> this was his idea, by the way. Yeah. He decided to, you know, come back on the streets and busk. Well, of course, all the shoppers are just walking past him in the street, not even, couldn't care less. And of course, yeah. that was the joke. He's out the front of the Greater Building Society yeah. performing. And of course, he gets the homeowner stuff in there. And at that time, he said to me, well, look, at the end of each ad, I'll just say, well, next week I'll be in Newcastle outside the chemist shop or the week after I'll be outside the news agency. So it looks like I'm just going around all these little country towns where the greater is. <laughs> and he said, well, can you give me some names? And I said, uh, yeah, okay. Um, what about uh, Curry Curry? And he goes, <laughs> what? what curry Curry? What, what's wrong with Curry? I said, mate, I've got no idea. That's just what it is, all right? <laughs> so therefore he would finish the ad. And That's say, right. Hey, next week I'll be outside Curry Curry, so you better hurry, hurry, or I'll come in Curry Curry. <laughs> Now, if I say it, it's not funny. If you say it, Ash, it's probably not funny. But if he says it, yeah. the whole 80 crew, that you know, we took out a little country town street and, you know, 40 miles away from where he lived, and we just filled an empty shop with the Greater Building Society, and he stood outside that empty shop doing his gags. That was the whole campaign, right? And so the next one, he would say, yell out to me behind the camera, JD, give me another one. I thought, oh, God, okay. Uh, Wagga Wagga. It says it. Can't you people have just one name? And I said, mate, you're gonna really struggle when I tell you there's one called there's one called Dunny Derp. He said I'm not touching. Well he probably doesn't know what Dunny is though. Dunny's an Aussie term, isn't it? Well, he must have, you know, because the point is is that when I said that, he just put his hands up and said, that's it, I'm not touching that. <laughs> well, for our American listeners, by the way, Dunny means toilet in Australia. So you should have told him Wulgulga or something. I wonder how you would have gone with that. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I can't pronounce I live on the Gold Coast these days, and my, we've, we've got six children, and three have left home and got married and what have you, but we've still got an 18 and 20 and 21-year-old home. And But because we're on acreage, um, it's silly to be in the big house these days when yeah. you know, even the kids are with us at the moment won't be you know with us for very long they'll leave and go, go off on their way so my wife and myself thought i oh, will move closer to surface paradise or broad beach where there's you know closer to restaurants and shopping centers because we're in the bush at the moment yeah. and so that's what our plans are and i said to Gail, as long as we don't go to talibadjira and she said <laughs> what now i can't even pronounce it i've just proven to you i cannot pronounce but it's an area a lovely lovely area down near yeah. the and gutter, but I refuse to go there because the fact that whenever I'm talking to anyone and they say, where do you live? I don't want to not pronounce where I live. <laughs> I said to her, listen, let's go to Broad Beach. It's easy to say. <laughs> Mate, we're going to have to call this podcast titled something like the Unpronounceable Names Podcast. <laughs> All right. So back to relatively serious things. So John, what's your secret to lead generation for businesses? Can you share with us why it's so important for businesses to have a constant stream of qualified leads? Let's let's put some context here for our listeners. Yeah, mate. And look, before I do that, just one boastful comment, mate. Yeah, so so we can finish up the Seinfeld thing because it sort of, I think, probably needs to be said, to, if only for my ego. <laughs> And that is in the Seinfeld campaign, the first 24 months of that campaign, the Greater Building Society increased its market share 300%. Yeah, that'll do wonders for my ego too. Well done. Congratulations. Exactly. Look, I won't be able to get my head out of my office if you keep patting me on the back because it's normally just it's normally just me that pats me on the back. And you'll be very pleased, Ash, that my wife's not around at the moment. She's gone out. And so therefore, normally, if she even just half hears what I'm doing on a podcast, yeah. which is all about me, she just puts her two fingers in her throat, you know. Um, <laughs> 
But the thing is, now all jokes aside, and the reason I say that is that I know that most of our listeners won't be able to afford Jerry Seinfeld. I understand that. But they can afford to have outside the square thinking. And the thing that really amazes me in this day and age that we're in where you would think ideas are so available just, you know, clicking Google, that most businesses, in fact, 95% of businesses in my world don't use what I'm about to explain to you. They do not use direct response marketing tactics. And what they're doing, small, medium and large businesses, but the large businesses can afford to throw money up against the wall and they'll still survive. You know, small, medium businesses can't. What they're doing is that they're spending money on advertising and marketing that's not measurable. Uh And that means is that they can't measure the leads. They can't measure the leads. They can't measure the conversions, of course. And in the old world, the bricks and mortar world, they're sponsoring the local little netball team because Jimmy plays for it. Hmm. And they've got their butcher shop on the back of all the jerseys. But last time I went to one of these junior sporting matches, I didn't see too many people with a pen and paper or even on their phone taking notice of the butcher's phone number on the back of number six. Hmm. Or what they're doing is that they're putting ads, branding ads on the side of buses uh, or the backs of taxis or maybe on billboards on the side. So what's typically called above the line advertising in traditional marketing circles? Terrific. Exactly. But my point is that all of that above the line advertising, which you and I know in the traditional advertising agency world, has been pretty much what advertising agencies would preach. Yes. That was fine when you had a small marketplace and you were the only player in town in your particular geographic region. But as you know, as we both know, as we all know now, then it's a global village. And therefore, if you're going to play that game, well, you better, you know, have a deep pockets because it's going to take quite some time for you to build that brand unless you unless you're freakishly like an Uber and you're such a disruptor that you get world you know, prominence. So the, the world that I live in consists of five things. Number one, identify your most profitable customer and look for more people who look like him. Pretty simple, pretty normal, and pretty sensible. And that means in the Greater Building Society's instance with their home loans, we knew that the most profitable customer for a home loan is going to be over 40 because they're going to borrow half a million or a million dollars yep. instead of a, a Gen Y who's going to borrow for a little master than home, their first home, 250000 We really didn't want to talk to a Gen Y. And we didn't want to talk to them for another reason. They've got the attention. This is coming from a father of six Gen Ys, by the way. They've got the attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> And uh, they've got no loyalty. So therefore, if we were to get a home loan to a 25-year-old, chances are that they would churn and go elsewhere within two years. But because a 45-year-old is going to be more loyal, just the way that they're brought up, if we get them, we're going to get a million-dollar home loan maybe, and they'll stick with us for life. It's a high likelihood of retention. Absolutely high retention, and that's just the way it is. Look, you know, my kids are all Gen Ys, and they have got the attention span of a fly. You know, yeah. Number two, create a wow factor to take their eyes off the price. And by the way, this is not getting away from what you asked Ash about. Look, what do you think about lead generation? This is actually a five point answer to that. Okay. Number uh, two is uh, create a wow factor to take their eyes off the price. I've got six kids, and at one stage we had six under twelve. And that meant that we had a pretty noisy Tarago. And to actually pacify those kids, we would stop off and over that period of time buy a lot of Happy Meals at McDonald's. Yeah. And I calculated that we spent $6.4 billion on Happy Meals and they always threw the hamburger out. It was all about the free oh, yes. toy, the free yeah. – Ash, I was waiting for you to come in, but it was all about the free <laughs> – Free toy. <laughs> toy. Ash, pick up your actor. You're off the show. <laughs> You are not going to be on the show again. I'm um, sorry, I'll pay attention, John. Oh, goodness, mate, for goodness sake. You know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm Don and you're Bert, okay? Yes, sir. So anyway, mate, yeah, that's what happens is that really uh, McDonald's have taken our eyes off the price for a number of decades with the free Disney toy. Kellogg's have been doing it in the bottom of the cereal box for a long while. And uh, Harvey Norman, which is an electrical retailer,
retailer here in Australia, they have two years interest-free for one reason and one reason only, to get your eyes off the price. Yep. And the reason you and I and every other business owner do not want to market on price is because it's not sustainable for most of us. I mean, it is for Walmart. And it is for Big W, but it's not for most of us. And so, therefore, why would you want to continue to drop your prices when it's not sustainable? What you ought to do is concentrate on creating a direct response marketing formula that is sustainable and takes their eyes off the price. That's the last thing you want to do. And And the other reason you want to take your eyes off the price or take the customers out of the price is because if you just stay price-focused, then you get commoditized, right? People just compare you to other prices and then you're out of the running. And and actually, guy. I'm a bit of a show-off, and you have to be if you're a marketing person. Nobody wants a marketing advisor who sounds like an accountant. Yeah. Um, But I will say when I'm doing seminars and and what have you that I'm not the cheapest marketing advisor in town, but I'm the very best value by a million miles. And that's the point, right? It's value for money. I would rather pay a hundred bucks to somebody and get a thousand bucks in return rather than pay somebody ten bucks and get eleven bucks back. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I I must say that. Again, 95% of businesses don't do this. Uh, the first reaction from most businesses when they have a dip in turnover is drop their price. That's what yes, they do. Yes. And they create a nightmare for their brand. Uh, and it's one that takes a long, long time, if ever, to sort of, you know, I guess, rescue yourself from. Because once you are seeing it, I mean, look, if I was a manager at the Palazzo Versace Hotel here on the Gold Coast, which for those of who might be overseas is a seven-star hotel with marble floors and the whole, you know, chandeliers like you'd see only in Elvis's home and the whole thing, right? Now, in winter, the Gold Coast in Australia is the Orlando of Australia, uh, so it's very, very, very busy during the summertime. But in wintertime, it suffers like everybody else in the hospitality game from people staying at home in front of the fire. So what they have done at the Plaza Versace is drop their prices and Mm. drop them dramatically. Now, I would sack that marketing manager tomorrow. Because what would work better is if they said to people from Sydney and Melbourne, the colder states, look, fly up to the Gold Coast. It's still winter, but it's much warmer than down south. And stay at the unbelievable seven-star Palazzo Versace Italian-themed hotel. We will pick you up from the airport on your private limousine, and you will have your own private butler for the weekend. And not only that, we'll give you theme park tickets and a ticket to the show at the Jupiter's Casino. Now, that would cost nothing like the drop in price that they're doing at the moment yes. and it would protect their brand because they're already using the existing infrastructure that they have rather than you know hacking into their profits yep they're yep. leveraging yep. off their existing resources they've got limousines sitting around from for when you know the kiss group stays there. yeah so they're using maximizing capacity they they're then they're not suffering from under capacity but when they drop their prices they've got all these resources that are sitting around not working for them they're not sweating their existing assets instead they're just hacking into their profits and please excuse this and i'm sure you'll live with this cheeky phrase uh ash it's not really a swear word so i don't think anyone will get upset about it but i always just to get everybody in the mood of understanding how silly this stuff is I say that these people are suffering from moron-itis. Yes. Because what they're doing is really just moronic. It's crazy. Why on earth at a seven-star hotel would you uh, drop your prices and destroy your brand? Because the moment you do that, you look like the $2 crazy Clark store, and that's not what you want to look like. And by the way, that's something I like that Apple has done successfully. They do not 
drop their prices under any circumstances. And I first remember when I worked in an Apple store, I thought, this is ridiculously expensive. But nowhere else could I go to get the same product for cheaper because they control the prices even through the subsidiaries or distributors mm-hmm. or whatever that, that distribute mm-hmm. their products. They control those prices too. Absolutely. And they're very smart marketers. It's no surprise, of course, that the likes of Disney and the likes of Apple and Microsoft and those companies understand how to do it. Meyer and David Jones got away from getting rid of dead stock by discounting. And what they do now is that they have twice a year a half-year sale and a Boxing Day sale, as you know. These are big department stores in Australia for anyone listening overseas. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting rid of dead stock a couple of times a year by having a a sale. That's that's fine. We all understand you want to clear the warehouse. I'm talking about doing this at a moment's notice like every week or second week or third week. That's what I'm talking about. Ash, the third thing of this little five-step thing, I call it the wheel of wow. So if you can visualize a wheel broken up into five pieces to pieces, anybody that wants to have a look at this can – just go to my website if you don't mind me just telling them where yeah, to yeah. go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they can just go to theinstituteofwow.com. Okay, so there's no AU to that. It's just theinstituteofwow.com. And you'll see this Wheel of Wow graphic. Now, you're not going to look at it and go, oh, wow, I'm glad I came here. I haven't seen a wheel like that before. <laughs> but it's just broken up into five easy pieces. And the reason I go on about it is because, oh, I hate going to seminars. When the seminar speaker comes out, and he's as boring as, and he says, I've got a 29-step system. And you go, oh, no. <laughs> How long is this going to take? Yeah. So, therefore, number one, identify your most profitable customer and look for yep. more people who look like him. Number two, create a wow factor, take their eyes off the price. Number three is use the problem-solution scenario and do what Jenny Craig Weight Loss Program does. And she says, look, if you're overweight and you're not feeling good about yourself and you know summer's just around the corner, guess what? I've got the solution. Come onto my dietary program and you will look like Miranda Kerr within four weeks. And the headache tablets do it as well. They don't bother telling you and me anymore that they've got paracetamol or codeine. We don't care about the features. We just want a headache gone in 15 minutes. So the TV ad you'll see for Neurofen now on TV has a little clock in the corner of the screen. When the lady has the headache after picking the kids up from school, she takes the tablet. Not only does the headache go, but the kids become much better behaved for some reason. (laughs) And by the way, the interesting thing is with those ads, Ash, it's a very, very clever direct response because she looks pretty ordinary when she's just come home in the kitchen from picking the kids up from school and she looks drained and there's no colour in her face. The moment she takes a Neurofan tablet, within 15 minutes, not only is her headache gone, she's gorgeous. (laughs) Those tablets, those tablets are amazing. I think I might overdose. They they have a plastic surgery kind of effect, do they? I'm tempted to stock up on them myself. <laughs> Talk about taking your eyes off the prize. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, mate, I've got to tell you this. A lady who joined our training coaching program, yeah. okay, we have this thing called the masterclass and people, you know, basically get my private coaching. And she joined and came to one of our masterclass weekends, which um, they're not quite like the normal seminar weekends where it's a hug fest. Everybody just, you know, yeah. basically gets over. At mine is, look, let me have a look at your website and let me criticise it. Okay, so therefore, <laughs> ours is a bit Gordon Ramsay. Anyway, everyone has a great time and, and I get as much drives given to me by my clients as I give them by the way so it's a fun environment but the thing is this lady had a wrinkle cream and she brings her website up on the big screen for the whole you know 100 people in the room to look at and you're not going to believe this the before and after photos I thought she'd made a mistake because they look worse <laughs> after they used the cream right? <laughs> and I said to her in my, in my sarcastic style her name was Susan I said Oh, Susan, obviously the website's still on construction because it's screwed up. And she said, so what do you mean? I said, well, the before is obviously the after. You know? And she goes, no. I went, oh, dearie, dearie, look, we're going to have to have a talk about this. I think there's a problem with your product. 
I said, why don't we just call it like, I don't know, www.uglyfication because you've just made these people look all right, pretty ugly. Anyway, but getting back to serious things, uh, yeah. Ash, the fourth component uh, of this after you've gone through the problem solution scenario is fix your website and something which would be dear to your heart because of the business you're in. And uh, I reckon 80% of websites um, are awful, business websites. They don't have the ingredients that they need, and those ingredients are a benefit-driven headline or problem-solution headline. Uh So therefore, if you're a kitchen renovator, your problem-solution headline would be, we know you want to renovate your kitchen for a budget, but we also know that X percentage of all of the kitchen renovators out there won't tell you that that granite benchtop is really not granite. Blah, blah, blah. We are voted number one kitchen renovator in Australia because of ding, 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 ding. Now, don't quote. That's too long a headline, but you know what I mean. I'm talking about having at my headline, have sales flatlined and you want killer marketing ideas that can create an avalanche of clients. Now, bingo, straight away when someone comes onto my website, I'm going to shivers. I want they to know exactly what problem you're solving. You got it. Got a headache? I've got the tablet. Sales so flatline is the problem and avalanche yep. of clients are the solution. You got a problem solution headline. The second thing that no one has on their website, no one has this, is an explanatory welcome video. And that's yes. not Beryl from the trucking company. Hello, my name's Beryl. <laughs> And my husband, Jim, started this business back in 1842. We don't want that, okay? We want you as the chiropractor coming on and going, look, I know why you're here. You've got a sword neck or sword back. It's pretty simple. You wouldn't be on this website for buying furniture. So, therefore, I can tell you that you've just come to the right place because I am Australia's number one. I'm the Steve Irwin of chiropractor, and I'm going to be able to whack and crack your back like you've never seen before, and you'll be doing the four-minute mile within a week, right? Now, that's the sort of welcome video you need. And if you're not good in front of the camera or you can't string two words together, then do one of those doodle animation whiteboard videos. Oh, yeah. We get done for $200 or $250 per minute, which is crazy in the Philippines these days. So if you're not good in front of the camera and you feel that you're not up to it, either you get a presenter from a presenter's agency, that's easy, give them two or $300, they'll do it for you, or use one of those doodle, very compelling doodle animation whiteboard, you know, where the hand draws very fast. Yeah. The third thing is that you need a data capture facility, and this is really close to your heart, Ash, I know, because it's something that you would preach all the time. And people go, oh, yeah, I've got an inquiry form. And you go, well, that's because you're a moron. (laughs) You don't want an inquiry form, you idiot. You have to – I may have just insulted quite a number of the listeners. Yes, I think you might have. (laughs) Yeah. um, What's that noise? What's that noise in the background? I can hear beep, 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 beep. <laughs> so anyway, the thing is, is that it has to be something that's going to create leads for you that people are so excited about that they will take the risk of giving you their contact details because they're pretty smart. They know when they do that, you're going to annoy them until they buy or die. Yeah. Uh, and so therefore, you better make sure that that free something that you're giving away, a free report, free video download, a free blueprint, whatever it might be, looks and sounds very valuable. And hardly any do, even the people that come from the world that you and I mix in, Ash, I'm just like, I just laugh at them when they say, oh, well, there's a free report. You know, it doesn't look very valuable. It looks mm-hmm. like you've just knocked that up not like at midnight last night. Well, I did. Yeah, well, that's why. So therefore, any graphics that you have on your website that promoting the fact that you're giving away, let's say, a free blueprint, mm-hmm. it's going to look like it's come from a James Bond movie or Indiana Jones where this is really, you know, people risk their lives to get this blueprint mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going to risk, you know, getting annoyed by you by giving you my contact details. So that's really important. And the other thing is on your website, the three biggest benefits. So therefore, you've got to tell people what are the, th- not the 24, not the seven, not the 12, just three. Three biggest benefits of dealing with me is I'm fast, I'm cost effective and I get results, whatever it might be, whatever your herbs and spices are. And of course, the last thing you need, and this is on your homepage, by the way, I mean, worry about sub pages altogether. 
I mean, the fact is, is if your bounce rate is high on your homepage because you're boring, then they're not going to get your subpages. So don't even worry about fixing your subpages until you make your homepage as compelling as possible. And the thing that you really need on there, video testimonials. You right. don't put your good video testimonials on your testimonials page because I have done enough heat mapping to know that no one will ever go there. No one visits your testimonial page. Why? Because they're written testimonials and they're boring and they think that you wrote them and put Betty Bankstown's name at the bottom of them. So you've got to fight that scepticism, which is out there. I know we've interviewed enough people to know that nobody visits your testimonial page. Get your Google Analytics turned on and you have a look at it and you'll find that's the case. But what they will do is if you've got three outstanding knock your socks off video testimonials on your homepage and one of those looks like the sort of person that would resonate with them, there's a damn good chance they're going to click that on. Should they be at the top of the homepage or can they be below the fold? It, it, uh, split test. I would suggest that you split test. I mean, you and I both know the value of having everything above the fold, even though that you know a lot of websites, 50% or more, you know, sort of access through smart devices these days, but still there's half of your audience watching this on their computer on their desk, yeah. laptop. So therefore, yeah, the above the fold thing, putting all of your good stuff above the fold just makes sense because if you keep that under the fold and you've bored them to death uh, above the fold, they're not going to scroll. So I would suggest that you might like to, on your welcome video, insert one or two comments of a video testimonial nature. So let's say I was doing my welcome video and I'm a marketing advisor. So I'd say, look, thank you for coming. Well, no, I don't even do that. I mean, what you don't, when someone knocks on your door, you don't go, oh, thank you. Welcome for coming to my, you don't do that crap. You know? <laughs> so you just get straight into it. I think I do something like, look, you know, I know why you're here. You've got a business and sales are flatlined or you're just about to start a business and you've realized, thank goodness, that marketing and sales is more important than anything else. So let me tell you why I'm very different from an advertising agency. I flip the model that an advertising agency has, which is traditionally to get them to fall in love with your brand. And then eventually, you know, they'll buy your product. We'll throw that out. I'll show you how you can get them to taste your product Mm. so that they'll fall in love with your brand. So we flip the model completely. And that's what direct response is all about. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. And then you'll see I'll have two or three testimonials come in from people who I've helped with that. And they'll just give killer one-liners. They'll go, oh, look, when I joined JD's Environment, Within six months, my sales tripled. And then the next guy will come in and he'll go, look, I just didn't even have a website. And unbelievable the amount of online sales now I'm making because this guy's wizardry showed me how to build a website that sells, not one that's just pretty. Hmm. And that's what I would suggest, that in your welcome video, you put a couple of testimonials in and then put the real testimonials perhaps on the second or third page as they scroll down. Got it. Okay. Well, that's great. Mate, you've given us a whole lot of valuable information here, which I'm going to revisit. I've been taking notes. I'm going to revisit these in the action section. Well, that was part one of the two-part series with John Dwyer. I hope you enjoyed that. Tune in to the next part where John and I talk about how to create a measurable social media campaign, how John helped a Sunday newspaper increase its profit by millions, and your access to a free ticket to John's upcoming event in September 2016. All that and more in part two of this two-part series. If you want to access this episode on the website, just go to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash John hyphen Dwyer. That's spelled J-O-H-N hyphen D-W-Y-E-R. And if you want to access part two, head over to John hyphen Dwyer hyphen two. That's J-O-H-N hyphen D-W-Y-E-R hyphen two. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. 
you can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 